What's going on, guys? It's Fantasy Sock Exchange here, and today we're going to be bringing forth our final wide receiver rankings before the NFL draft, talking about our top 10 receivers in this NFL draft and kind of talking about what they do well, what they don't do well, and ultimately what we expect from an expected draft capital standpoint. Also, if we're willing to take them in both underdog and rookie drafts. But before we get into that, as always, Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've exhausted this wide receiver class. There's tail of the tapes on most of these players. If you want a more in-depth look on any one of them, just search their name and tail of the tape or go to the playlist tail of the tape. I think pretty much every single one of these players that we're going to talk about outside of the last two names have a tail of the tape that you guys can check out. So um, yeah, I'm doing good. Like, comment, subscribe. If you guys enjoy this video, as always, we are so close to 10,000 subscribers. We're like 50 subscribers away. So if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button. We might already be there by the time that you're seeing this video, but uh, yeah, stay tuned for this one. This is going to be fun. So without further ado, let's hit the intro. All right, so me and Danny both have our top 10s listed. You guys should be able to see them on the screen right now. Our consensus number one wide receiver is Drake London, wide receiver from USC, currently going off the board as the 105 in rookie drafts, according to Keep Trade Cut in Superflex rookie drafts, and then the 89th overall player in underdog fantasy ADP. For those of you guys doing big boards right now, and of course, you can sign up using promo code FSE, 100% match back on whatever you put in, and you'll get our rankings manifesto for free. So Drake London, the strengths are pretty simple, right? He has uh, the greatest analytics profile in this class, bar none, production, off the charts, age-adjusted production, market share production, whatever you want to call it. On an eight-game sample this year, he was absolutely tearing up the Pac-12. Contested catches are a big strength of his game. He's got great hands. Release package at the line of scrimmage, also very good. Phenomenal against zone coverage, uh, playing in the slot and getting open in short and intermediate routes, as we discussed with Matt Harmon from Reception Perception. The only question marks you have about Drake London really is, is for me, it was downfield usage. Uh, he gets the Mike Evans comparison thrown around all the time, but I don't see the same level of downfield usage out of Drake London that I see out of Mike Evans. And I see a lot of Mike Evans as a Bucks fan. And also he had a couple concentration drops here and there. And some people think he might not be the best athlete in the world, but I, I I'm, you know, I think it's all relative. I think he's a great wide receiver prospect. I think he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. If not one of the top two wide receivers, probably. Yeah, I mean, and when, we're, when we're talking about Drake London, you kind of nailed it to a T there. I mean, ultra, ultra productive, like all-time level type of production. And, I mean, if you look at age-adjusted production, when he first got into campus at USC, he's competing against legitimate NFL talent with Michael Pittman and Monter St. Brown, and yet he was still able to produce, despite playing with two future, at the time, NFL studs. I mean, we saw what Amon St. Brown was able to do this rookie year. We saw what Michael Pittman's been able to do the last couple of years. Drake London's got a better profile coming out than both of those guys. So when you're talking about Drake London, I mean, it's pretty simple. You mentioned maybe some athleticism concerns might knock him uh, right off the bat. But I mean, worst case scenario, you put him inside, you put him as a big slot and you get Michael Thomas. Exactly. And you got, it's from the athleticism concerns. We've addressed it before. You're not a two sport athlete. If you're a bad athlete, like, like that is just yeah. a stone cold fact. He played power forward at USC his first two seasons and transitioned completely to football. And we saw what happened before he sustained that ankle injury fourth in this class too, 
on avoided tackle percentage after the catch. So this guy can not only get open, short and intermediate, he can actually do something with the ball in his hands, which is pretty rare for a six foot four, 215 pound wide receiver to be able to be uh, that explosive after the catch and be able to get some stuff done there. So Drake London is our consensus one. He is my one. Danny's two, but I have Danny's one at three. So that that's kind of yeah. how that thing shaked out. Number two, consensus number two wide receiver is Traylon Burks, who is Danny's one. He is my three. Traylon Burks currently going off the board as the keep trade cut 107. Pretty big fall from grace for Traylon Burks. Once considered actually the 101 in this class early in January and February. Underdog ADP of 68.1. So with Traylon Burks, the, the strengths are pretty simple, right? Traylon Burks is phenomenal after the catch. He's the best wide receiver in this class after the catch. He, rem he reminded me a lot of Chris Godwin, to be honest, from that perspective, because he's big, he's physical, he's a bully with the ball in his hands, has great production over multiple years at Arkansas in the SEC. Size, athleticism combination is off the charts. Six foot two, 225 pounds, ran you know low four fives for a 90 plus percentile weight adjusted speed score. The only question marks that you have about Traylon Burks really are the route running nuance because uh, our buddy Matt Harmon uh, at Reception Perception was concerned about his ability to win versus man coverage, much more of a zone beater, similar to a guy like Debo Samuel in the NFL. And then he's also pretty raw as a route runner as well, and his football IQ might need some development, some things like that. And he's also just very landing spot dependent. A team is going to know how, uh, need to know how to, to use him. At the next level, Matt Harmon kind of expressed some concern that if a team just says, this is my ex-receiver, he might struggle early on. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I mean, even though he's my one, I'm not ignorant. I don't like I'm not ignoring facts here. Like if he gets into a spot that I deem can't utilize his skill set to the best of his abilities, like I will be willing to drop him in my rankings. But I mean, I have him here based off a of projectable ceiling. If he lands in a green bay, if he lands in a spot that can utilize his after the catch ability, like he's got the highest ceiling in this class, in my opinion. What he can do after the catch is just Straight up special, straight up an elite trait. And again, you mentioned he's more of a zone beater. If he gets in a system that doesn't necessarily have him, you know, pressed up every single play, you know, throw you at X, you got to go beat your corner. You got to go beat press right off the bat. If he's able to nurture and develop into a system where they can get him in space, they can get him, you know, utilized, you know, maybe out of the backfield, maybe, you know, on slants go like you want this guy to be simplified right off the bat you want to just say okay we're not going to get you to run the most extensive run route tree you're not garrett will so you're not even drake london in that regard but you know what we know what you can do with the ball in your hand so we're going to make that simple on you we're going to have you running stuff that you're good at right which is why i comped him to chris godwin because yeah. godwin plays a lot of the slot for tampa bay i think a system like that would be really beneficial for Traylon Burks. And I mean, if Byron, I, I talked about it in the tail of the tape with Traylon Burks, if Byron left, which was actually going to get hired by Jacksonville, he would have been a perfect slot receiver for them, but they signed like 30 other slot receivers. So that doesn't really yeah. make sense anymore. But uh, let's get on to the next wide receiver here. Number three, my number two, your number three, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Keep trade cuts 102 right now. So he has really climbed up boards. Underdog fantasy ADP of 81 and a half. Now, as far as 102, I'm I'm not willing to take him that high. Personally, no. I, I in a super flex format, I'm still going to take Malik Willis over him, and I would still take Drake London over him. So um, a little bit overvalued from that perspective, but I understand why, because Garrett Wilson doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. There's really nothing I can point to that is a glaring weakness for him, other than the fact that he's like 180 pounds. That's really only the the thing that I can point to. He's He showed to be a better athlete than we thought at the NFL Combine, running in the four threes. His route running is off the charts. He's an NFL caliber route runner already. He probably was an NFL caliber route runner as a sophomore two years ago. Yards after catchability off the charts. 
Uh, avoid a tackle percentage, one of the highest in this class. Great hands, probably second or third best hands in this class, just behind a couple of the other guys that we're going to talk about in a second. Garrett Wilson has a complete game. And it reminds me, I don't want to call him Justin Jefferson, but say. it does remind me of Justin Jefferson coming out because he got overthought yep. a little bit. We we wanted to go for the ceiling of some of the other players in that class, like Henry Ruggs, like CeeDee Lamb, like Jerry Judy. But Justin Jefferson in that class, bar none, had no weaknesses. And that's kind of how I feel about Garrett Wilson. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, Garrett Wilson is very Justin Jefferson-y. And uh, I mean, saying that, you're probably thinking like, well, why do you have him at three? Then it's just the allure of the other guys in terms of ceiling. But again, maybe I'm making the same mistake that I did with Jefferson. When you're talking about Garrett Wilson, I mean, it's pretty simple. He is the prototypical number one wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. You put him in any system, and he's going to be able to get separation right off the bat. And we have seen that. He is good in contested catch situations. He is good after the catch. He is just an overall complete player that you can build your wide receiver core around. I mean, Deontay Johnson's a really good example. I know that that's your comparison as well. I think Atlanta at number eight, if they don't move that pick, would be a phenomenal spot because, again, this is the type of guy that will command targets in the NFL. And, I mean, if we're talking about a landing spot, we talked about it on the Matchmaker video. Not many other spots need target or players that can command targets, much like the Falcons at this point. Right. And I, I still hold true that I want him to go to the Jets because I just think him and Elijah Moore would be so fun uh, using those guys interchangeably. You got a backyard quarterback with Zach Wilson. You probably add a running back or two. That offense would be really fun if you add Garrett Wilson to that mix, in my opinion. So we actually have like a mega tier of wide receivers next because my four is Danny's six. My six is Danny's four. And we both have the same five. So they're all technically tied. The first guy that we're going to talk about is Jahan Dotson, who is my four, Danny six. Uh, keep trade cut value currently of the 201, which I think is absolutely highway robbery. He should be a top 10 pick, in my opinion, in super flex drafts. Underdog fantasy ADP of 159.8, also highway robbery if you guys are doing underdog big board drafts right now. Jahan Dotson, pretty similar to Garrett Wilson as a player, in my opinion. He, they both have great hands. I think Jahan Dotson is the best hands in the class and, and a random NFL scout. I saw an article on Twitter that uh, Jahan Dotson has the best hands in the class was also a popular sentiment uh, among the league circles and stuff. Separation off the charts, 96th percentile against zone coverage, according to Matt Harmon's reception perception. Release package is is really advanced for for a college wide receiver. He's a senior player, so that is a big weakness against him. He did come back for his senior season, but it was a COVID shortened year last year. And even though he probably still would have been a second or a third round pick had he come out, I think he solidified himself into a first round pick in this year's draft size is a little bit of a concern as well. Five foot 11, 178 pounds, but he did weigh 183 at his pro day. So somewhere in that range, um, some of the play strength, a little bit of a concern too. And the fact that uh, we have a guy that was, you know, age adjusted produ- uh, production wise, not the greatest profile because he wasn't very productive as a freshman and a sophomore, but you know, come his junior and senior seasons, he was up 30% plus of the, uh, the team's targets, you know, absolutely baby boying Ohio state corners in, in games like, this dude has very little weaknesses also similar to Garrett Wilson. In my opinion, all of his weaknesses are kind of like speculation hearsay type of weaknesses, everything on tape. When you turn the tape on for Jahan Dotson, I like, he reminds me a lot of Elijah Moore. I've also seen Darnell Mooney as a comparison. I think that's also a really good one as well. Um, Jahan Dotson, my wide receiver four, your wide receiver six. Yeah. And I, I think Mooney is like a very underrated comparison. Uh, the one I saw too, uh, I mean, you mentioned Elijah Moore, Darna Mooney, Tyler Lockett. I mean, those kind of names are seemingly interchangeable when you're talking about, you know, small satchel receiver with good route running ability, good hands, and good downfield ability when they do work that portion. Yeah. When you're talking about Dawson, I mean, 
he's going to be a very good number two for a while in the league. And if you're getting that at the 201, like, come on, go, go, go get that value. He is my six, but realistically, I mean, at that portion of the draft at that back end of the first, like I love these wide receivers. And we're going to talk about a couple of the other names too. Uh, specifically, you know, the next three that are going to come to mind, but man, this wide receiver class is absolutely loaded. Yeah, and once these guys are off the board, I'm like really not that interested in a whole lot of other players in yep. in this rookie draft. Uh, you know, maybe outside of the quarterbacks, depending on where they go. But yeah, uh, Jahan Dotson to me, you said he could be a very good number two in this league. I think he'd be number one if he goes to Kansas City, if he goes to Green Bay, if he goes to, I mean, maybe Buffalo would probably be his number two spot there. Um, but I, I think he he has the opportunity and the ability to thrive and command high targets at the NFL level, similar to what we've seen from a guy like Deontay Johnson, Darnell Mooney last year, and Elijah Moore in the short stretch that he was healthy for. So uh, the next guy that we have here is both of our wide receiver fives, Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. Now, full disclosure, Jamison Williams would probably be higher for me if he didn't tear his ACL. And I know like he's on track to you know come back in, ta- in time for his rookie season, but it's still a concern, right? Like if I told you last year Rashad Bateman was going to go into the season and be you know injured, I'd be a little bit concerned about his ability to get up to speed and get on the field and produce right away as a rookie because we know rookie production is very important for uh, the development of these players, and Jamison Williams might have that as a concern. But nonetheless, the strengths are very obvious. He's the fastest receiver in the class. The athleticism's off the charts. Uh, yards after catch ability, he can pretty much just run away from anybody yeah. at the NFL level, at the college level, whatever. Separation ability is very natural to him because of his his, his athleticism and his straight-line speed. Needs a little bit more nuance and you know uh, stuff to his route running, but that's going to come with NFL coaching. Hands had some concentration drops here and there, but overall hands are pretty solid. And then uh, physicality-wise, I would say he's only physical with the ball in his hands, which is something I, I typically like to see when when a wide receiver's run blocking or like just out on the uh, out on the route. I want to see them fighting with the with the DB. It's just a dog mentality thing for me. So that like those are like ticky tacky minor concerns with me with Jamison Williams. My biggest concern is why wasn't he able to produce at Ohio State? He had to transfer away to Alabama, but when he got to Alabama, he was very productive. And number two, like I said, he's going to be injured uh, in his rookie season to some degree. If he's back on the field for week one, maybe I change my tune a little bit. But as of right now, it's a hopeful to say that he's going to be back for his full rookie season, get his full training camp. It just seems unlikely to me. So that has to be a concern. And that's why I have him at five. If he wasn't there, he'd probably be three for me, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Jamison Williams, I mean, it's pretty simple to me. He's going to get extremely high draft capital. We kind of know this. We're hearing rumblings right now that a bunch of teams, like several NFL teams, actually have him as the top receiver in the draft. High draft capital, elite ceiling, the best pure speed in this class at the wide receiver position. Like this is a legitimate, I don't want to say Tyreek Hill level speed, but I mean, we're talking about a mid four two type of player. This is a guy that's running away from Georgia defenders like nobody's business in the in the SEC championship game. I mean, Jameson Williams ceiling is legitimately a wide receiver one in the league, but you kind of outline some of the concerns. Don't necessarily know about his physicality. Don't necessarily know about that ACL recovery. And as we know, if you face plant in your first year from a dynasty perspective, the hit rates from an analytical standpoint aren't necessarily in his favor. So he is my five. I can see a bull case if somebody wants to have him in their top three, as you kind of mentioned, because he does have that elite trait. As I mentioned with Traylon with his yards after catch, Jameson Williams elite trait difference making trait is that speed and ultimately being able to just run a, run away from any defender on the field. 
Yeah, this is basically like if Henry Ruggs had like a super productive junior season. Like that's yeah. mo- for the most part what people would probably compare Jamin Williams to. I would think most NFL scouts are looking at him. It's like, dude, this is Henry Ruggs with late production because Ruggs didn't have very good production coming out of Alabama. So Jamison Williams, again, a-, a guy that is currently going off the board a little high for my liking. 104, uh, according to Keep Trade Cut. Underdog fantasy ADP is fine at 129.5, but going off the board is the 104. I just personally can't pull the trigger over some of these other guys. I'm okay picking Jameson Williams as high as like 106, 107, but uh, if he's going to go off the board before Drake London, before Garrett Wilson, before Traylon Burks, before uh, Kenneth Walker even too, like I'm probably not going to pull the trigger there. Malik Willis also. I I think I need to uh, take him after those guys are off the board, which is probably 106, 107 range. Yep. No, I agree with you there on Jamison Williams and transitioning to the final guy we have in this tier. We have basically all tied at that pseudo four spot, if you will. And uh, that's going to be the other Ohio State wide receiver in Chris Olave. And what can I say about this guy? You throw him all over your formation. You can play X, you can play Z, you can play in the slot. He is just a dynamic do-it-all type of wide receiver. The big knock on him would be that yards after catch. But when you're talking about a separation standpoint from a pure route running tactician technician whatever you want to call it perspective chris alabe is smooth as butter he is already a professional wide receiver i mean his separation skills bar none are up there with the garrett wilson's in this class i think he can step in right away and have a one ceiling but he can right off the bat be a number two for a team Right, and and Matt Harmon's uh, reception perception basically yep. outlines Chris Olave as probably the best route runner in this class, too, yep. even over Garrett Wilson. So that is, you know, speaks volumes to the type of player he is. Like you said, the physicality, yards after catch part of his game is not necessarily not his developed. strength. A lot of NFL scouts, I guess, have concerns about his play strength and, and how is he going to hold up from that perspective. But, I mean, again, ticky-tacky things that we're talking about with Chris Olave. He can get open. He can command targets. He's going to catch the ball. He can be used downfield. He's pretty much a pro-level wide receiver and also has that kind of sheen to him that maybe people are just overthinking him a little bit. Maybe he's being in the Justin Jefferson mold mold where we're just, hey, this guy can do everything well, but maybe he doesn't have an elite ceiling. That's what we said about Justin Jefferson, too. We said Justin Jefferson was going to be a great number two in this league, but not probably a number one. Like, sometimes when you're just that good of a player and you have that complete a skill set, you can be a number one. So if Chris Olave goes to, you know, the, the New Orleans Saints or something like that with pick 15 in the draft, Who's to say he doesn't, you know, become their long-term number one after maybe one or two more years of Michael Thomas being with the Saints? Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. And you, you mentioned Jefferson, but the player that really like stood out to me when I watched Olave, and similar again, I, I did think Devontae Smith was a little bit better after the catch. You saw him utilizing the screen game a little bit. He was more productive in that regard. But Devontae Smith, I mean, smooth as butter, silky, some size problems, some physicality problems. But I mean, he's just going to step in right away and be able to produce at the NFL level. Right. Devontae Smith was also my comparison for him. While Devontae Smith, his size was a problem. I do think he played like more of a dog than Chris Olave. But oh, again, yeah. we're talking we're talking ticky tacky stuff um, with these concerns with these guys. These top receivers are you know going to make up the majority of the first round of rookie rankings for me post draft, regardless of where they go. I don't care if these guys go to the worst landing spots possible. They're the best players in this draft for the most part. There's a couple quarterbacks, a couple running backs in the mix with the top 10, top 12 overall rankings for us. But for the most part, it's going to be littered with these wide receiver prospects because these are, you know, the cream of the crop of this class. Unfortunately, we didn't get a great running back class, didn't get a great quarterback class. It's going to be mostly wide receivers in the top 10 to 12 overall picks. So the final guy that's kind of in this tier for me, he's, I believe, just outside this tier for you. Um, Sky Moore, wide receiver from Western Michigan. Keep trade cut right now. Currently has him as the 203, which I also think is a screaming value similar to Jahan Dotson. Underdog fantasy ADP of 194.5 to me. 
outrageous number for Crazy. a guy that we know is going to go in the top two rounds of the NFL draft. And the second that happens, he's going to be a top 100, top 125 type of pick. So he, uh, Sky Moore, the strengths are pretty similar for him uh, as well. The only problem with Sky Moore is that most teams are projecting him as a slot receiver, and he didn't have a whole lot of downfield production. And his route tree maybe was that of a slot receiver, and he's also a little bit undersized. But the the strengths are that he has great hands. He's phenomenal after the catch. Natural separation. Um, profile is pretty good production-wise. He was productive at a young age. Even despite playing college defensive back and quarterback, immediately comes in to his team and is the number one receiver competing with you know Dwayne Eskridge, who was a second-round pick last year uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. Redshirt sophomores don't come out of the Mac conference very often. Typically when we see small school prospects come out, they're like Christian Watson. They're seniors. They're, they're going to the senior bowl. They're making their money there. The last wide receiver to come out of a, a non power five conference and go as an early declare in the top two rounds of the draft was Devonte Adams in 2014. Yeah. Fresno state, you know, that's, that's a wild, uh, wild stat there. But yeah, I mean, talking about sky Moore, he is a golden Tate player like you you get in the ball in space you let him work phenomenal at the line of scrimmage i mean his release package for a guy that was playing in the mac is truly outstanding as to how advanced he is sky Moore, i think is going to go in the first round i know it's probably gutty to say that but i mean realistically i talked about it in the past with the current state of the wide receiver market I think there are going to be a ton of wide receivers flying off the board this year. I mean, we're if we're seeing Christian Kirk archetypes going for eighteen to twenty-one. My million comp for Sky Moore, by year, the way, was Christian Kirk, which is funny. I mean, yeah, you're you're basically getting Christian Kirk at a fraction of the cost. And from a pure standpoint of projectability, I mean, the NFL teams are going to see the wide receiver market and they're see, okay, do I want to pay you know this fringe level wide receiver two three type fifteen million a year? Or do I want to draft a guy like Sky Moore in the first round and get that fifth-year option? That's why I think, I mean, a team like the Chiefs makes a lot of sense. Um, a team like the Packers would make sense, too, if they opted that way. And when I you're talking about— makes some sense, too, if they want to replace Cole Beasley. If, if you're looking Absolutely. at this guy as a slot receiver, you get a big-time upgrade from a, dyna like a dynamism standpoint in your slot receiver with Sky Moore. Absolutely. I don't know if he's going to go that high. Maybe they get him in the second round. But uh, I, I do think that he's going to get some first-round buzz, for sure. For sure. And, I mean, talking about Sky Moore, he's one of my— pet cats, if you will, in this class, I'd be comfortable taking this guy in the late first round type of area. So the fact that he's going at the 203 is a screaming value on keep trade cut. And you mentioned the underdog fancy ADP. Like if you are doing underdog drafts right now, and if you aren't, make sure you go use promo code FSC for hundred percent match back on deposit. But either way, 194.5 ADP is ludicrous. Yeah. It's you're, you're stealing at that point um, for a guy that's going to go at least in the top 50, if not in the first round. Um, so let's get on to the next receiver here. We have basically another tie. Uh, you have George Pickens as your wide receiver eight. I have David Bell as my wide receiver eight. And then each of those guys is our wide receiver nines respectively. So with David Bell, we'll talk about him first. Keep trade cuts 206 underdog fantasy ADP of 138.3. We have a couple question marks about David Bell, but two of them, they're really just two. There's only two question marks. He has, he's not a great athlete and you know, potentially, uh, NFL teams are viewing him as even a poor athlete, just not even, not a good one. And we also have question marks about potentially where he's going to get drafted. Is he going to go in the top two rounds of the draft, top three rounds of the draft? Is he going to be a day three pick? We really don't have any idea at this point. Uh, grinding the mocks has his ADP around the third round as it currently stands right now. But on film, when you, and, and this is really all that matters with wide receivers on paper and on film on paper, David Bell's production profile is up there with the best in this class. He has phenomenal production. 
across most of his college seasons. He was competing for targets with Rondell Moore. He was commanding an elite target share. He was productive year in and year out. And then on film, when you watch him, he can separate. It, it's not pretty. It's not Garrett Wilson. It's not Devontae Smith coming out last year, but he can separate. He has hands four days, probably the second best, third best hands in this class. He makes a ludicrous amount of contested catches. And he also has just a complete skill set overall. He's pretty good after the catch, but he's not dynamic. He also um, has a good release package at the line of scrimmage as well. David Bell, just a complete player that I think is going overlooked. My comp for him is Jarvis Landry, who also tested poorly at the NFL Combine, whose greatest strength was also how good his hands were coming out of LSU as well. I think this is going to be your classic second or third round NFL draft pick that comes in and makes a big time impact on the stat sheet. Probably never becomes a 1,500 yard, 15 touchdown wide receiver in the NFL, but 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns is something that I think is very possible for uh, David Bell at his ceiling. Yeah, and I, I mean, I really like David Bell. It hurt putting him at nine, but uh, as good as the pros are, it doesn't really matter how we evaluate those pros if the NFL teams don't value them the way we do. The NFL teams view this guy as a fourth-round pick and not a sufficient enough athlete to play on the outside. I am a bit concerned. Now, if he gets third-round draft capital, if he lands in a team that runs a lot of 11 personnel, he can dominate in the slot right off the bat. I am all in. Like I, I'm more than willing to take him. It's just ranking him anything ahead of nine for me personally is just a little rich because of the question mark with that draft capital and how a team is going to utilize him. Are they going to put him in, in the best position to succeed? Is Are they going to view him as, oh, does he have Z flexibility or is he a slot-only three-wide receiver set type of player? That is my question mark. And ultimately, again, if he's viewed as a slot-only player, that's going to impact his overall snaps on the field. Right. And that matters from my perspective. I think he can play any alignment. Six foot two, two twelve. He or six foot one, two twelve. He I can play X if they want him to. I agree with you. Um, but uh I do think Z or slot is probably his ideal position in the NFL. Like you said, it doesn't matter what we think. If David Bell goes you know, in the fourth round and a team doesn't want to give him a huge opportunity, then that's, you know, out of our control. But there was a guy that slipped to the fourth round last year who wasn't an elite athlete in the Monroe St. Brown. And he was, once you turn the tape on, a good player. So uh, that's what I'm thinking with David Bell. He was productive in college, just like a Monroe St. Brown. Very good. That's why I like David Bell ahead of some of these projections like George Pickens, like uh, Christian Watson, like Justin Ross, like John Mechie, for example. There's, There's a number of guys that are going after him that were not nearly as productive as David Bell. Yeah, and you mentioned ARSB. That would be a really good call for him. If he can land in a situation that can nurture him the way the Lions nurtured ARSB, I have no problem projecting David Bell. for That a spot is Cleveland, by the way. That's the dream Absolutely. For, for David Bell. Cleveland in the second or third round is exactly where I want David Bell to go. Go replace Jarvis Landry and take some targets away from Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper will keep David Bell's ADP low, and I will <laughs> take advantage of it every day of the week. Absolutely. But uh, either way, transitioning off of David Bell, the other guy we kind of have tied as this pseudo wide receiver eight in the FSE rankings, and that is going to be George Pickens. And uh, (laughs) a lot of people watching these rankings are going to know your thoughts on George Pickens, so I'll let you talk after I kind of give my input. But when I watched Pickens, uh, he reminded me a lot of Michael Gallup. Before Michael Gallup really progressed his route tree, really progressed as a route runner, just that physical X-style type of wide receiver that can win vertically, I see that from George Pickens. The problem with George Pickens is that if he doesn't develop his game again, everybody likes throwing out his freshman year. Oh, he was so dominant as a freshman. He was so dominant as a freshman. He hasn't really progressed as a player, as a route runner, as a separator since that freshman year. So realistically, if we're just expecting this guy as a volatile boom bust vertical threat 
how valuable realistically is that for fantasy apart from maybe best ball? Now, do I think bull case for this guy, he can develop into, you know, a Michael Gallup, Mike Williams, throw him on the X. He's versatile, can run the whole route tree. Maybe, but we didn't see that at all in college. And not to mention, once you combine that with the fact that apparently this guy interviewed like dog crap with every single NFL team, I do have my concerns enough to the point where I have him at eight, but I wouldn't be shocked if somebody had him lower. And that's very different than what you'll see on Twitter, than what you'll see from all other podcasts. Because I know some people have him legitimately as a top three, four wide receiver in this class. Right. And the ceiling is there. Like, I'm not denying that he doesn't have a high ceiling, but I, I do think it's a little overrated. I feel like people are are willing to just throw him into like the AJ Green territory because he played for Georgia. But AJ That's Green cool. was far more productive. AJ a- Green's career low in target share at Georgia would have been three or 4% higher than George Pickens's career high in target share. So when you don't command targets at the at the college level, it's hard for me to believe that you're going to do it at the NFL level. And you can make all the excuses you want about George Pickens had bad quarterback play and they only used him as a deep threat. Whatever the case Injuries. is, great players command targets. That's that's re- realistically all it comes down to. George Pickens is a guy that is most likely going to be off my board because he's going at the back end of the first round, 110 overall right now in keep trade cut, underdog fantasy ADP of 147.9. He's more so a mid-second round pick for me, so I'm probably not going to get him in any leagues. And now that you bring up that he might have uh, you know, potential maturity question marks, he didn't progress as a player for that reason, that makes sense to me because I did see his freshman tape and I was excited. I was like, hey, this dude could be a special player. But in 2020, he didn't really have that great of a season. And 2021, he tore his ACL and we didn't get to see what happened. So uh, with, with George Pickens, I, I do think he might be a bit of a year two, year three type of pro where he might hit his stride at that point in his career. And I do think he has a chance to go way down in value after the 110 or the 109 that you spend on him in your rookie draft. If he has a down rookie season or something from a maturity perspective, maybe he has that face planner kind of narrative uh, attached to him. Yeah, and I've heard people say, oh, yeah, is he going to be a first-round pick? I think this is going to be a guy that's going to fall in the draft. I mean, I think this is more of like a mid to late second-round pick in the NFL because of the things we're hearing. If we're hearing all this opening up the week of the draft, I mean, we're talking about athletic reports. We're talking about interviews with legitimate scouts saying that this guy interviewed terribly. Like, that's not the type of buzz you want going into the NFL draft. Again, we'll see what ends up happening. Maybe it's just all fugaz and he goes on Thursday night. But, I mean, this this could be a guy that I see dropping to, like, 58th, 60th overall. And, I mean, for everybody touting a draft capital, like, cool. Like, nice. Yeah, it's it's a fine pick. If he goes, you know, 60th overall or something like that, it's fine draft capital. I just, I personally think he's going to go overrated in drafts, which is why he was on yeah. the thumbnail for most overrated prospects, uh, the video that we dropped a couple days ago. So uh, number 10, let's get in. We both have a different number 10. So we'll, we'll kind of just talk about both guys. I'll give my thoughts on Justin Ross, wide receiver from Clemson. Uh, currently the keep trade cut 302 right now. So a phenomenal value in my opinion. Underdog fantasy ADP up near 200. So again, just a perfect dart throw late in your drafts. To me, Justin Ross and George Pickens are not all that different as prospects, and I'm getting a huge discount on Justin Ross relative to George Pickens. They were both very productive freshmen, and I would say Justin Ross's freshman season was transcendent. Oh, yeah. He was expected to be you know, the next A.J. Green-level prospect, Julio Jones-level prospect, somebody like that, playing alongside Trevor Lawrence, commanding targets with Hunter Renfro, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers, all these dudes on the field, and he was like the most productive yards per route run wide receiver of the last five years, uh, his 2018 freshman season. In, 20, in 2019, still competing for targets with ETN, 
and T Higgins. He was still, he built upon what he did as a, pre- a freshman, but not a ton. Then he gets injured, has a spinal uh, injury in 2020. Doesn't get to play a snap. Didn't play football for 18 months. Comes yeah. back this year. Horrible quarterback play with DJ Uangale. Wasn't all that productive this year either, but it, I still saw the freshman Justin Ross in his game littered throughout it. Didn't test as an elite athlete because he broke his ankle at the end of the season this year as well. So just a litany of injuries for Justin Ross could cause him to slide to the third, fourth round of the NFL draft. But I think if this guy was able to stay healthy his senior season, I think we're talking about a second round wide receiver. And I do think there's still a chance that a team spends, you know, top 75, top 100 draft capital on Justin Ross. And if that happens, I'm going to take him, you know, in the mid second round, early second round, depending on where he goes. So hopefully with Justin Ross, you're getting a guy that is healthy and NFL teams are willing to buy into him because uh, this is a, I mean, he's a good player. Like that's, that's really all it comes down to. When you watch him on film, he has a pretty complete skill set. He's not an elite athlete, but he does separate well, uses his size well, has good hands, good downfield ability. He was one of the most productive downfield receivers in this class. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned uh, hopefully he goes top 75. That is the biggest question, obviously, with the health as well. I mean, I, I want to. Well, I think both of those questions are answered with where he gets drafted, drafted. right? Because if he goes in the seventh fair. round, then the health is obviously a huge question mark for teams. But if he goes in the third round or the second round, then I think the teams are going to be willing to live with the health a little bit. Yep. No, I, uh, that's actually a really good point. It's just I'm kind of concerned that we're looking at the lower end of his draft capital projection than the high end. I think the high end, as you mentioned, like he, maybe he sneaks in the top 75. If he does so, I'm more than fine with raising him up my board. It's just, I think he's more likely to go like round five. And if he goes round five, I mean, who knows, maybe lands with a team like the Jags has an opportunity, obviously connection there. Maybe I'd be more willing, but there's just a lot of, lot of risk here. Now, if you are drafting before the NFL draft and his current ADP is at 302, underdog fantasy ADP 198. I'm more than willing to take a shot at that price because of the ceiling that we have here. But again, we're going to know a lot. If he gets drafted early, I'm telling you right now, this ADP is going to skyrocket. Oh yeah. And if he doesn't get drafted early, I mean, he's going to be a fourth round rookie pick. Right. And in either case, I'm still willing to take the shot. him. if he gets yeah. drafted, you know, top of the third round of the Jags, like he's going to go in the mid second round, probably early second round. Easy, yeah. And I'm still comfortable taking him there to be honest. But if he gets drafted, you know, sixth round to the Houston Texans or something, he'll probably be a, a, a late third round rookie pick. And, and again, it's at that point, I'm still willing to take the shot on him. Yep. No, I, I, I definitely see the bull case here. A lot of risk, but I mean, at the end of the day here, you, you are swinging for ceiling in the third, fourth rounds of your rookie drafts. And I'm sure you guys are going to be uh, in for a treat when that uh, sleeper video and everything post draft comes out. So stay tuned for that. Either way though, my 10, a little bit of bias here, as I always kind of talk about this guy, but I mean, it is John Mechie, 208 ADP on keep trade cut, 119.6 on underdog ADP or underdog fantasy ADP, which is a lower for my blood, even though I like the guy. But I mean, if, when we're talking about Mechie, he is the prototype wide receiver 2-3. Again, I don't think he's got the highest ceiling in the class. I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one at the NFL level. But if you're talking about a guy that can dominate from the slot, can dominate from the Z position, is a physical player on the field and does a lot of things well again he doesn't have a necessarily an elite trait but he's a solid route runner he's good at catching he's physical and he's a very very good complementary piece to an offense a similar type of comparison i think obviously like play style wise no but maybe production wise i can see being the case would be like an emmanuel sanders at the nfl level where he's never gonna be a true one but could he string together multiple wide top 35 ish wide receiver seasons. I can definitely see that being the case. And the reason why he's also my 10 is the fact that his expected draft capital 
is supposed to be in that top 75 type of area, despite even having the ACL. A team like New England makes a lot of sense in the second round. A team like Dallas makes a lot of sense in the NFL or in Pittsburgh. the second round. Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. I can even see, you know, the Buccaneers may, may gear to him with Godwin expected to miss the first couple of weeks of the season because of that injury. Yeah, I, I think with Mechie, you're getting like a Tyler Boyd level prospect. Yeah. I think that's, you know, similar similar production that you're going to get at the high end. Like you're going to get a, you know, a thousand yard receiver, six, seven touchdowns on the high end. Like I think the Steelers make a ton of sense. He's just the new Juju at that point. Yeah. Um, That would be probably the dream landing spot for me. I think the Patriots also would make a lot of sense too. He is the Alabama connection with Mac Jones. Um, he's a he's a fine player in the late second round, but I'm not going to take him over, you know, David Bell or Justin Ross or anybody that I deem to have a higher ceiling, potentially even some of the other running backs that are going to go in that area of the draft. So to me, I kind of view John Mechie as like the the B plus version of David Bell, which I mean, David Bell isn't like a superstar prospect in this (laughs) class. So the fact that they're going within like three picks of each other in terms of keep trade cut. Uh, I probably would just, you know, lean David Bell. And then once I get to Mechie's pick, probably just trade down or, or trade for a veteran or something like that. Which makes sense. Again, I do think Bell as a prospect is better. But from an NFL standpoint, if Mechie gets higher draft capital. Oh, he's definitely going to get drafted higher than Bell. Yeah. I think. And that would, that would be my case. Again, like if he goes second round, like he's going to be picked ahead of Bell in rookie drafts, which. Oh, yeah. I mean, should. If Bell's going in the fourth round, I mean, there's a clear difference there. Right, right. Which is why, like, if I have the pick that's deemed to be where Mechie goes, I'll probably just trade down and take Bell and get an extra, you know, future third or a a young piece or something like that. So um, that is our wide receiver rankings. That was our top, you know, 10 and a half, top 11 wide receiver (laughs) rankings. If you guys enjoyed this video, as always, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel if you are new. If you want more rankings, more dynasty rankings, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, bucketed rankings by age, super flex, one quarterback, positional, whatever you need. Dynasty rankings manifesto is available one of two ways. We made reference to underdog fantasy throughout the entire video. Underdog fantasy, sign up using promo code FSE and you'll get 100% on whatever you put in and you'll get our dynasty rankings manifesto for free. If you can't play underdog in the state that you're in or you're in Ontario like us, which is bullshit, and uh, you want to get a fantasy rankings manifesto, patreon.com forward slash fantasy soccer change is the other way that you can get it. Link is in the description for that as well. Peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon.